our scripture for today comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 22 through 29. Let us listen to God's word. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in pain, like it's giving birth, right up to the present time. And not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first harvest of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it with patience. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through groans that don't fit into words. And he who searches our hearts knows the plans of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you've seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, this novella turned into a movie about Andy Dufresne, a kind, quiet man convicted to life in prison for a double murder he did not commit. Like so many other prisoners, he continues to insist on his innocence, and what's strange is he never gives up hope that one day he will be free, that one day he will walk in open air again. He spends years in prison, makes friends. At one point, he breaks into the warden's office and plays music over the prison's loudspeakers. The guard breaks down the door and throws him in solitary confinement for two weeks. When Andy gets out, he tells the group of friends gathered to greet him that it wasn't so bad. He had Mr. Mozart to keep him company. He had the music in his head and in his heart. And he explains that you need the music in prison so you don't forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. That there's something inside that they cannot take, that they can't touch. That there is a world outside of prison and a world inside yourself, memories and desires that prison can't take. His old friend named Red asks, What? are you talking about? Hope, Andy says. Hope. And this line from Red, this line is the point Red replies, Hope? Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside, and you'd better get used that idea. Do you know why hope is dangerous? Do you know why Red, who's lived most of his life in prison, says it has no use on the inside, that it can drive a man insane? What does it mean to hope? What power does it have? 
People who hope are often lumped in with dreamers. Dreaming, it's thinking about what could be, imagining how the world could be different, picturing it in your mind. It's wondering and wishing, but that is not hope. Red doesn't say dreaming is dangerous. Dreaming is harmless to you and to everyone. Just imagining the hope, hope is something else. In Hebrew and in Greek, so anywhere you see the word hope in the Bible, whenever it says hope, the word for that is to wait. The same word, to hope and to wait. Whenever you say, I'm hoping, what you're really saying is, I'm waiting. It's not dreaming. You see, hope is not dreaming, which is imagining, it's wondering. But no, hope is different. Hope is waiting. Hope is expecting, preparing, waiting, getting ready. You can tell when someone is hoping for something on Christmas and they don't get it. You can tell because their face crumples. You can tell when someone was hoping for a different diagnosis than the one they got. When someone was hoping a relationship was headed there, But now, it's here. You can tell. When someone thought it was going to work out, they were waiting for it, they were ready, they were hoping, and then it didn't. A couple years ago, we met a couple in an adoption class that had been hoping. They were matched with a little child, a little boy. They decorated the room with his favorite colors, bought the clothes, put sheets on the bed, toys they had bought, and those cute little shoes for a little boy, waiting for the day he'd arrive, hoping for it to come. But hope is a dangerous thing. Something fell through in the other country, and they don't know exactly what happened, but the boy that had been matched with them, the future they laid out together, what they were hoping for, what they were preparing for, what they were betting on, this thing they wanted so badly, they were waiting for each and every day, thinking about it, thinking about him. Suddenly, it wasn't. Hope is a dangerous thing. When we met them, that room was still decorated for a boy that would never arrive. They hadn't opened the door in weeks. It was too painful to look at it. Hope is a dangerous thing. It's not an exaggeration. It's not being dramatic. You can live life without hope, with resignation, and get through most anything. You can manage it. This is just the way it is. This is the world. This is life. This is it. We do it all the time. Hope for little, expect even less. Look at the young, with their hopes to make the world a better place, to carve out a bright and joyful future, dreams of a great paying job that they enjoy. Sometimes we call it idealism. Naive. As we get older, we learn to hope for little and expect even less. And that happens here, too. It happens here at church, maybe here most of all. We gather every Advent as we march towards Christmas, and we go through the motions, and we sing the songs, and we're waiting for Jesus, and Jesus is coming, and hope is here, and then, and then, and then Christmas morning comes, and it goes, and the world very much seems exactly the same. 
We give each other gifts on Christmas. We hope we might get something nice. But do we really hope that God is changing the world? Do we really? Isn't that like saying it's these young people who still have dreams of incredible and perfect jobs that pay them to have fun? Isn't it the same thing? Hope is a dangerous thing if you actually expect God to show up, to actually show up with freedom from your sin, to show up with wisdom, with the community, to show up with peace, to bring joy into despair, to show up with healing. If you actually hope for Him, actually wait for Him, there's a good chance you just might end up with a room full of toys and shoes painted all the favorite colors of a boy who isn't coming. And aren't things good enough anyway? Do we really need to change that much? Aren't things mostly fine? After all, hope is a dangerous thing. If you've been disappointed enough times, seen it enough times, hoping starts to feel like dreaming. Things don't really change. People don't really change. People are people, and governments are governments, and churches and churches, and families are families, and jobs are jobs, and mostly they just are what they are. No point hoping for something more. You see, there's this promise of a Savior, especially in Advent. There's this promise of a Savior that's coming, and we believe it, but you can only wait so long before you have to move on. You still believe in this Savior that's coming, but we run out of time and we run out of youthful idealism and we run out of hope. So we choose to move on with good enough because this is just how things are. This is as good as the world will get. Is it, though? Is it as good as the world will get? You see, Paul talks about it like this. Paul tells us that all of creation is groaning like it's giving birth. It means that when Christ was born in the flesh, creation, everything that was, even though it will die, even though it's broken, even though a lot of it looks the same, its destination has changed. God is pulling all of creation to himself. And that is reason to hope. If you've ever thought about it, do you know how many viruses have been eradicated in the last 2,000 years? How many preventative diseases have been cured? We can water plants even in a drought and we can anticipate storms and get to safety and we can give children glasses so they can see and we can give the lame things so they can walk and we have hearing aids so we can hear and crop rotations and national parks working through us. God is drawing creation to what he intends it to be. Creation is groaning because it is becoming heaven on earth. And it's happening. It's happening here before our eyes. Not always. Sometimes we work very actively against it. Sometimes we stop hoping for heaven, stop waiting for God, and instead work with what we've got. 
invest billions in reversing age lines instead of feeding the hungry, on entertainment instead of education. But this project, this project of pulling all creation to God's self, it is happening. Creation is groaning. You can see it. And we can feel it. We can feel it and we can hear it inside of us. If you listen, you can hear the groaning in your own soul, still longing for more. Even if you've stopped waiting, even if you've given up, if you sit still long enough, you'll hear it. Your soul knows. It knows that hope isn't just coming, but that hope is here. Because God is pulling all of creation to himself. God's word became flesh, not just human, but flesh. Flesh is an earthy term. Isn't it? Flesh is the reason why wars break out over who gets to be richest. And flesh is why countries become divided. It seems like most of our problems in this life are, in fact, caused by the flesh. Isn't it the flesh that gets tempted? Isn't it the flesh that gets diseased and deformed and dies? Isn't it because we have hearts of flesh that they are so easily broken? So the last word we were expecting from God is that he would become flesh, that hope would be born in the flesh. Frankly, if we're hoping for anything, it's that God would get us out of the flesh. If hope is anywhere, it isn't here. Not here in the land of bills and mortgages and politics. Hope is out there. It's why we still hope in heaven. It's elsewhere. It's not here. That's a problem. It's a problem because the church has always been tempted to tell people exactly that. And one of the first heresies to break out in the early church was docetism. That Jesus was God, but he was not fully human. Because if Jesus was flesh, then there was hope here and hope for us now. God works through Jesus in the flesh. And that might just mean that God can work through you and God can work through me and God can work through us in the flesh. People are people, and families are families, and jobs are jobs, but Jesus in the flesh insists that it's in all of those places that we had lost hope, that hope is actually born in the flesh. Because if hope can be born in Jesus, that means hope can be born in us, in our flesh. Christ has come, and with him hope has come. It is here in the flesh, but now it's not just in Jesus' flesh. He has died and been raised and sent the Spirit. So where is the hope? Where is it hidden? What if hope is closer than we think? What if, in fact, we've been sitting on hope this entire time? Stand up. Really, stand up. 
pull up your couch cushion that's sitting on your pulpit, on your pew, and pull out what's there. You might have to hunt for a little bit, pull out what's underneath your cushion, not the lint and not the dirt. Hopefully you'll find some pictures, a picture of this place, a picture of the people who sit in these pews, a picture of our Easter celebrations, a picture of the youth of this church. And with your picture in your hand, feel free to have a seat. What we have been looking for out there, looking toward heaven, convinced that the world, the bills, the fights, they just are what they are, that hope must be hidden somewhere else. We've been sitting on it all along. Hope is here. It's in our midst. It's in us. It's in the youth groups that we have. It's in the children of this church. It's in the Advent baskets we send to our homebound members. It's in our Easter celebrations and our marching through Advent towards the Christmas nativity story. Because if hope can be born in the person of Jesus Christ, that means hope can be and is born in us, in the flesh. You see, red is right. Hope is is a dangerous thing. It's dangerous because it depends on the flesh, on you and on me, but not just on us, not just on us, but on Christ working through us. So the only thing more dangerous, more ridiculous, more absurd than to have hope is to have no hope at all. The only thing more dangerous is to have no hope at all. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you send your hope into this dark world. And Lord God, that you send it in the flesh and the person of your Son. And Lord, you continue to send your hope through us, your church. Lord, would you help us to stand throughout this Advent season as hope to this world, that the world might turn around and see the church and recognize that we are trying our best to be bringers of peace and of joy and of love and ultimately of hope. Lord, a hope that does not depend on us or our own doing, but a hope that depends on your Son, Jesus Christ. In your holy name we pray. Amen.